Is hypnosis dangerous? I sure hope not because you are in hypnosis many times per day. So I'm going to dispel in this episode five myths about hypnosis. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Triumph Life Podcast. I am your host, Trisha Carr. I'm a little late in getting this episode out, so I, I thank you for joining me here anyway. I've been very, very busy, but I think that I'm still getting one out per week, still an average at least of one out per week. So thank you for being here. I think this is going to be a really great episode, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. You, Many of you may know that I am a hypnotherapist in addition to being you know, an intuitive coach and counselor. I am a psychic, multidimensional medium, and I'm an empathic channel. And I'm currently right now actually teaching with my best friend, Crystal Ann Compton, an eight-week program on channeling, the channeling intensive. The doors are closed now, but maybe you can catch it next year if we do it again. And anyway, we are deep into pulling through the activations for people to be able to open channeling. And what this episode is about is how there are some misconceptions about hypnosis. And so, is hypnosis dangerous? I think that there are some old, I say old because there are specific events and specific kinds of paradigms that would, that anchored or triggered certain misconceptions about hypnosis. Misconceptions, misinformation, and just simply misunderstanding what hypnosis is. And so, is hypnosis dangerous? Well, I sure hope not because you are in hypnosis many times per day. So I'm going to dispel in this episode five myths about hypnosis. And in dispelling these five myths, I'm also going to hopefully give you an idea of how you could utilize hypnosis, whether in the many different ways that it can be offered, which I'm going to talk to you about, self-hypnosis, to work with a, a practitioner, but it's definitely something that is done daily and with your intentional engagement with it, you can enhance your life, you can enhance your spiritual development, your connection with spirit, spirit guides, if that is your interest, and just your general overall personal development and wellness, and of course your life purpose. So let's get into those five myths about hypnosis. Well, first of all, some people, apparently, a lot of people still think that hypnosis is what you see in the stage performances, in stage hypnosis. So with stage hypnosis, the person is a hypnotist and they are using hypnotic techniques and tools. But the one thing I want to really point out about stage hypnosis is that it is a performance. That is the most important thing to realize. It is a performance. Now, the way that stage hypnosis works is completely different from hypnotherapy or using hypnosis for therapeutic purposes. What a stage hypnotist is doing is two primary things that would never really either be done or be possible in a therapeutic situation. One thing is, you may have noticed, is that the hypnotist is looking out into the audience and is able to tell who in the audience is highly suggestible, what we call somnambulistic. And so I can tell who is in hypnosis partially or highly suggestible and you know who is actually in that in that range of somnambulism somnambulism somnambulistic people uh, the word somnambulist is related to the word sleepwalking and 
The interesting thing is it is not as rare as you might think. It's actually fairly common. And as well, any person who ever has whatever their natural suggestibility type is could go into a hypersuggestible state at any time. As a matter of fact, we all go into hypersuggestible states at different times of every single day. But I digress back to the stage hypnotist looking out and seeing who is already in a light hypnotic state or maybe even a bit more profound somnambulistic hypnotic state can look out into the audience and pick those people so you've seen the hypnotists they pick 12 to 15 or something people and they have them all lined up in chairs sitting like they're a panel and then the stage hypnotist is doing different things to um, get really to narrow it down and maybe at first all or most of them will be accepting the suggestions. And again, this is another key thing to notice is that they are suggestions. They are not overriding anyone's will. And I'll expand on that as we go. And that the stage hypnotist is then narrowing it down. He's doing all the different things that he's doing while entertaining the audience as well. And then it's like the set of the people who are still kind of accepting the suggestions and doing the different things and going under and then like, you know, saying or doing or standing up or performing in the way that the hypnotist is suggesting that they do gets lower and lower number. Usually they wind up, as and the ones that I've seen at least, two or three out of the 12 or 15 probably. You got two or three, maybe even sometimes just one who's doing the chicken squawking and the silly things and everything. And it's actually really fun to watch. <laughs> but the thing is that it is, they narrow it down and that is the one person or three people who have maintained, not only maintained their somnambulistic state, but gotten even deeper and have been more and more receiving the suggestions and allowing the suggestions to give them the, you know, the information to actually perform in the way that the hypnotist wants them to. So like I said, somnambulism is actually fairly common. However, if you if you're in a somnambulistic state, you still have management of your free will. Now, you may not totally realize you do because it's sort of an, a slightly unconscious state, but see, you actually have management and sovereignty even in your unconscious energy. And that's a whole other show, but just suffice it to say that it's never an overriding of your will. It's never really an insult. Now, the other, the second thing that a stage hypnotist does that would never be, well, almost never, I, I can't imagine its place in a, a proper therapeutic environment or using hypnosis for something that's positive, unless it were an emergency, is what we call rapid inductions, or you may call them shock inductions. So you may hear, notice that the hypnotist is doing things like, and like that, and they'll do that in person, like clunks out. Well, that rapid thing that they're doing, because a person is already highly suggestible, already partially in hypnosis, causes them to be disorganized in their critical mind and then just do what is suggested, which is and deep sleep or whatever it is. Now we do use different techniques like the snapping and things that will help to give cues to, to the subconscious mind to shift into different states. But that's not the same as the rapid inductions that are actually creating a lot of stress for the person, the people who are up on the stage so that they will do the silly things that they do. So those are two things I'll say that it is a performance. Maybe it's three things. It's a performance. Number two, they are starting with people who are already probably in an anxious, somnambulistic, even if they think they're having fun, it's a it's a somnambulistic state where they're already in trance. And then three, I mean, they're not they're not really working for, you know, 
something that is positive, right? They're just trying to perform and maybe even make a little bit fun of them. Um, I mean, maybe it's a little harmless, but it's definitely not helpful, right? So it's already not a therapeutic environment. And then finally, the rapid inductions, the shock inductions, which is not done uh, almost ever in a therapeutic setting. And I say almost ever because I can imagine if you had a person who was, like I say, in some emergency situation, you may either want to quickly wake them up, which I've actually been in that emergency situation with a person who was um, falling in out of consciousness, and I was waking her up like with my hypnotic cues to get her to get her car off the road <laughs> because it wasn't oh, that's a whole thing. But it was an older person who was losing consciousness, and so I had to take over her vehicle for her. And uh, to do that, I had to get her out of the seat. Hypnosis comes in handy, y'all. Anyway, so you may actually have to rapidly induce someone in order to get them out of a situation too. There's a possibility. Anyway, that's our number one. Stage hypnosis is not therapeutic hypnosis, and it is not what hypnosis is in total. Now let's move on to number two, second myth or second misconception. I already touched upon it, is that you have no control. And that isn't true. We have to remember that the key word there is suggestions and suggestibility. Now, when we are in a suggestible state, now, let's think about it. A good example is if you're a little tipsy and you do things that you have let because you have less inhibition, but you still are responsible for it, right? Like you still... I mean, barring whatever blackouts are, that's not, let's, let's keep it inside. You, you could witness it. You were watching it the whole time. You did the thing and that was a jerk move or, or it was a, you know, some other kind of move that you were like, oh my goodness, that's not what I would normally do. See, you're, you were conscious and you were present, just had given your will over to a different part of you than is normally what would be online. So maybe that will clear it up even a little bit. It's just a metaphor. It's not I, it's not literally the same thing, mind you. Metaphorically, that's a way we can kind of relate to what's going on there. The suggestibility is when you have a relationship, a rapport with a hypnotherapist, they are using your suggestibility for your best good, for your healing, and actually from what it is that you are defining the changes that, and shifts that you want to make. So anyway, it, in addition to whether you're working one-on-one, like, if you're working, if you listen to one of my recorded hypno journey, hypno, hypnotic journey audios, this also is barring any of that, you know, kind of stuff that could be done that would take advantage of your suggestibility or rapidly induce you. Because that only actually works if you are really paying direct attention to an individual as a, as a recording that is tailored to a general audience. And so it's still the person who is the sitter, the person who is sitting in the hypnosis or that meditation is actually allowing the journey, allowing the imagery to um, into their energy so that they can go into their state. You, st you always are in allowance. You're always in permission. Your will cannot be overrun. I mean, unless you are physically, <laughs> physically um, overtaken. Of course, that's a different thing. We're talking about making a suggestion. You always have management of it. Just sometimes we give parts of our consciousness over to allowing our will to go along with what someone else is doing or saying. And I have I made an episode pretty recently about how the media is taking advantage of our suggestibility. And um, so if you want to check that out, I'll link that in the description. And it's uh, I actually I think I have a couple of episodes I'll link for you about that. So. That second myth is that you have no control or you have no will. That is incorrect. 
three. A third misconception or misinformation about hypnosis is along the lines of age regression. Actually, working with a hypnotist to regress yourself back in age of, of your life to be able to uncover hidden memories. And well, I'll just start with the fact that memories are not accurate. They're not reliable. Memories are created in the moment. From whatever perspective that you have right now, memories are created in the moment. And even when it is recorded in the moment, in this now, as I'm recording something that can become a memory, I'm only recording part of the information. And a testament to how memories are unreliable is how when there are eyewitness scenes, if there's a crime and police officers have to take eyewitness testimony, they're all over the place because people are recording things differently. And then not only are they recording them differently in the moment, later on, they are creating them from the partial recording that they have. So memories are not accurate. Memories are not something that you can rely on. So if you did an age regression thinking that it's absolutely accurate what's going to happen, you could find yourself in some trouble because it's some you or someone else could be accused or or you know just fall have a false impression about what happened and it's not how it works. Second of all, they, since they they are not accurate, age regression is not helpful. It's not beneficial, and it it isn't it isn't it isn't reliable. Now the thing is about this, there was this there was a lot of scandal around. Hypnotist, well, they weren't actually hypnotists, they were therapists using hypnosis, who were, in my opinion, probably not properly trained. And they were doing this age regression thing where they were they were working from a, a biased premise straight from the beginning. They they were working from a premise or a belief that people who either needed or desired to lose weight, especially women, were certainly, I don't know if they thought certainly or almost certainly sexually abused as a child. And a lot of times they assumed it was their father or a family member. They First of all, that's terrible and unscientific. These were supposed to be scientists. You can't go into any kind of therapy or scientific approach with a bias. And then they were going in and age regressing and making suggestions while the person was highly suggestible, leading them just the way that uh, you know an attorney could use a high pressure litigation on someone on the stand and and lead them into something before they knew it they they accidentally got the story wrong they're actually they're they're working with them in a hypnotic state that person who would be under stress on the witness stand is is in un, under a little bit of somnambulistic state so likewise these therapists were doing that they were creating or implanting even false memories into these people by suggesting from their false premise that they must have, she must have been abused, sexually abused. And then we're like suggesting memories into that person's mind. So then the person came out and they thought they were real. Destroyed lives, destroyed families. This was so, so awful that it ended up going to court. And now any evidence that is recovered through hypnosis is not admissible in court. And it shouldn't be because memories are not real, or they're at least they're not reliable, and they're not entirely accurate. And so they cannot be admitted as evidence because they are not accurate. 
or they can't be known if they're accurate. So age regression is not helpful. Now, the reason I say that that's a misconception or a myth is because I actually we actually have hypnotists, hypnotherapists have people come to us and saying, hey, I want to remember more of my childhood. Can you regress me and, and recover those memories? And it's like, no, because A, they're not reliable. But the other reason is if you have memories that are repressed, it's because you are not ready to uncover them. Your mind is doing you a service. A memory that is being repressed, is being forgotten or deleted, it could be that it's not important and that's why you forgot it. Or it could be that it's traumatic and you don't need to be uncovering that because it's still under healing or maybe it's going to remain under healing and it's not beneficial to you. Your mind is deeply intelligent. Now, as you who listen to my podcast, you're a spiritual person, you're a spiritual seeker and you have this metaphysical point of view, I assume. Um, otherwise, you're going to be weirded out here. But anyway, so know that spirit and the intuitive mind, the spiritual mind knows what it's doing. It's entirely intelligent. So if you have a memory that is not being accessed, it's because it's like your mind has a scab over it and a bandage. What happens if you have a, a terribly raw wound with a scab on it? You just rip that scab off and you rip it off again. You're going to create more and more injury maybe infection, it as above, so below. That What could happen to the physical skin in that, this metaphor is really good, could happen if you went there trying to poke around in a memory that your mind, your intelligence is saying, no, no, this isn't for you. This isn't for your, for your healing, your benefit, your good for your well-being. So that's the second, no, that's the third thing. Yeah, that's the third thing is about age regression, a lot of stuff around age regression and the fact that memories are somehow accurate. They're unreliable. They're created in the moment. Our fourth myth or misconception is just generally that somehow meditation is one thing and hypnosis is some other big, elaborate other thing that's crazy. Now, I will say that as a hypnotherapist, I have a lot more training uh, than I did before I was a certified hypnotherapist. But before I was a certified hypnotherapist, I was using hypnosis. Why? Because I was leading meditation. Meditation is hypnosis. So think of hypnosis as this big, broad category under which falls every kind of meditation you can think of, under which also falls any kind of psychic sensing or perceiving. You have to be in hypnosis in order to psychically perceive some degree of it. Also under which falls creativity, being able to write, act, and do paint anything that is that creative flow you're under a state you're in a state of hypnosis when these things are happening any or you know uh, being able to problem solve in certain ways a lot of times in that creative kind of problem solving that is a state of hypnosis not all the time because there are certain levels of the conscious awareness that also can do that some of that good problem solving but usually it's infused with a little bit of a state a brainwave state that would indicate hypnosis and so Meditation is hypnosis. If you meditate, then you go into hypnosis. And that's just a simple fact. Now, I have there are hypnotic techniques that hypnotherapists use that maybe medita meditation facilitators don't use, but meditation facilitators are using hypnosis. Any kind of imagery or visualization, you're in hypnosis. <laughs> hypnosis is a big broad category and the Finally, the third, or excuse me, I keep, I keep getting the numbers mixed up. The, the fifth myth is going to help define that last one a little bit more. And that is this misconception that not everyone can be hypnotized. As I said at the very beginning, you are in hypnosis at least twice, but 
realistically, several times per day. If you meditate, you're certainly in hypnosis then. If you do anything creative, you're in hypnosis then. And then when you go to sleep and when you come out of sleep, the times that bookend sleep are hypnotic. They are, hyp they are hypnotic states. Hypnosis is basically when you take the conscious mind offline a bit. Doesn't even have to be all the way. It can be just in the conscious mind is the one that is, I'm gonna link actually down here another thing that talks about the theory of mind. It's a video I have. And um, if you wanna check it out from the podcast to the YouTube channel, because it has a lot of visual aid, that's gonna be better for you. So everyone not only can be hypnotized, but necessarily is hypnotized because everybody goes to sleep. You can't live without sleeping. You can't sleep without going through hypnosis and, by the way, coming out of hypnosis. Other times that you're in hypnosis just naturally is when you're daydreaming, is when you're driving on the freeway and you accidentally miss your exit while you were being you were in a somnambulistic state then. That's how you just kind of blew it on that exit. And again, if you are doing anything like um, creativity or or whatever. Now, the dis the reason I think that people, well, I know why people think that you, not everyone can be hypnotized is because they're thinking again of that very first thing that we talked about, the stage hypnotist. They're thinking about a highly suggestible, hyper-suggestible somnambulistic person being used in a stage hypnotist uh, situation, a performance. If you wanted to do meditation, if you wanted to do hypnosis or hypnotherapy with someone, you do have to consent. And so everyone can be hypnotized. Some people are already sort of halfway into consent because of their suggestibility, whether it's their baseline or their current moment of suggestibility. And other people just need a little bit, need to give themselves a little more permission. They need to allow their state to be shifted a little bit more. And but anyone, I can, anyone can be hypnotized. They, anyone can refuse hypnotism as well. And, and some, for some of us, it's easier or harder to do either one. But 100%, everyone can be hypnotized and is hypnotized several times per day. What this has to do with is your suggestibility type. And um, that's something that is you know, probably beyond the interest or scope of this particular podcast. But I've taught about it in many of my classes the um, school that I went to for hypnotherapy, the HMI College for Hypnotherapy, there is a, a great model for it, really helps us to understand it, but that's a whole different subject. So there you have it, you guys. Uh, I wanna tell you just a few more points about it, some other things that are like hypnosis. The fight-flight state is hypnosis. It is not a positive one. It's not, a, it's not one that we like to be in, but that is what is being triggered by certain sales tactics. Even in our regular kinds of commercials, the presentation of our politics, they are attempting to trigger a fight-flight response in us so that we will give our will over to whatever it is they want to sell us, most likely. There are just other times today when we're, like another example is, you know why they play those infomercials in the middle of the night, if you've ever been up at 3 a.m., insomniac, not being able to sleep? They're playing those infomercials and they're playing them for a long time because it's really inducing. And the next thing you know, the insomniac, who is somnambulistic, is ordering the things, the knives that cut through cans. <laughs> I'll leave you with the benefit of hypnosis. And again, you can use hypnosis by being a meditator is that it is the way that we can change our habits, our mental emotional habits, our mental emotional habits actually feed to our physical habits. And so there's a really great reason right there. You wanna better your life, you wanna improve your life, right? You wanna be happier. Meditating or being in hypnosis uh, to be able to create a feeling of happiness, 
well, then you win. You know what I mean? Like if you can create happiness right now, you can bring spiritual happiness and satisfaction and enlightenment to you, you can by your feeling nature. And you can do that by being in that altered meditative or hypnotic state. You can meet your spirit guides. You can commune with nature, connect and communicate with them telepathically the way that I do. And you can do anything that will benefit your life. I think that being able to manage, have access to your subconscious mind is so imperative for every single human being. So if you want to learn more about it, there is on my website a meditation mini course. Um, On my website, just go to trishacarcharm.com and then go to learning And you'll see a couple of free courses there. In both of those courses, one is about animal communication and one is about meditation. There are some free hypnosis audios, uh, excuse me, free meditation audios, technically speaking. There's some explanation about how you can enhance or engage in meditation, which is a way to reprogram and have management of your subconscious mind. Uh, In addition, just keep your eye out on this channel. I'll be talking about stuff like this a lot and With that, I'll just tell you that I really do appreciate you guys. Thanks for hanging in. I would love it if you would like, subscribe, share, comment. Please leave a review if you don't mind. Leave a review on the podcast. However you get your podcast, there is a way for you to to leave a review. If you scroll down, I know a lot of people listen to it while they're driving. But if you leave a review, oh my goodness, you bless me so much. But you bless me so much by being here anyway. And if you want to tell your friends about it, you know, hey, I'm going to love you too. All right, with, with that, everyone, I just, again, my, my immense gratitude for connecting, and I hope that you also will look into connecting more deeply with your subconscious mind. I'm going to look more deeply into that, too, because we always can do more with our journey. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. Mm-hmm.